This podcast is going to be short and sweet. Initially, this episode was going to cover a lot more ground. At some point or another, the draft of this episode included discussions about ineffective professional development meetings, the problems with how educators are educated, and a lofty examination of the hurting and healing patterns schools perpetuate. Ultimately, those topics ended up raising questions I don't feel prepared to answer yet. Questions like, are schools even capable of having honest conversations during professional development? Or, and this is a big question, what am I supposed to do after noticing so many similarities between the behavior of teachers and the behavior of police officers while I marched in protests against police brutality? I have a feeling the questions I'm contemplating will lead to conversations about controversial reform or even abolishment of our current education system. But this episode focuses on the reality of our current system. It poses two questions that all teachers, and really everybody, no matter their profession, should ask themselves. The first question is, how can I be better at my job without working harder? Now, professors, principals, coworkers, and especially students have all prompted me to ask the question, how can I be better at my job? But the problem is, that question can lead to answers that require someone to put in more effort and more time. Early in my teaching career, I acted as if time and effort were unlimited resources. I'd come up with really ambitious lesson plans, and one of two things would happen. Either I'd work a 65-hour week in order to pull them off, or I'd get overwhelmed and I would half-ass my preparation and end up scrambling to piece things together in the middle of a class. Neither of those options were particularly fun or fulfilling. So I began to shift my thought process. Instead of trying to come up with great ideas to bring to my classroom, I specifically started trying to come up with great ideas that would only take a few minutes to prepare and implement. This shift made a giant difference in my quality of life. I'll give you an example. Recently, I was working on a lesson that would help students in my beginning guitar class tell what key a song is in. I started to create a worksheet with some explanations and exercises, and after about 10 minutes and two really dense paragraphs, I realized it was going to take a lot longer than I expected, and it was probably going to be a boring read for my students. So I asked myself, how can I create a better lesson with less work? The answer I came up with was to have students listen instead of read. I gave my kids a scale to play on the guitar. Then they listened to four songs, and while each song was playing, they played up and down the scale. As they listened, they had to determine if the chords and melodies they heard in the song were created using the same scale they were playing. This lesson took me less than 10 minutes to create, and it was a lot more organic for the students. Instead of having them read a couple of pages and learn a formulaic approach to find a song's key, I gave them an opportunity to play and to listen which is what music's about. When I started asking the question, how can I be better without working harder, I expected it would keep me from overworking myself. I did not necessarily expect it to result in even better lessons for my students, but on the whole, it has. Oftentimes, the simplest lesson to create is also the most straightforward and natural one for your students to receive. So that's the first question. And it's warm and fuzzy, easy to talk about. The second question is more confrontational. It is, what are my insecurities and how do they manifest themselves in my interactions with students? I recommend you sit with this question for a long time. It's understandably difficult to identify your own insecurities. 
And I think if you rush through this question, you risk only acknowledging the shallowest parts of your insecurity and only exploring the most superficial ways those insecurities affect your relationships with students. I also want to make it clear, the goal of this reflection is not to eliminate your insecurities, it's merely to be aware of them. As teachers, we have power over young, vulnerable people, and every time I see that power abused, or I abuse it myself, it stems from a place of insecurity. In order to prevent those abuses of power, you have to explore the insecurities that trigger them. I'll put myself under the microscope here and discuss a few of my personal insecurities. First off, one of my biggest insecurities is that I'm not a good enough musician. I've always wanted to be a virtuoso, capable of picking up any instrument and wowing everybody with my talent, but alas, that wasn't my musical destiny. And I still haven't fully come to terms with that disappointment. So when I encounter a student who does have that natural virtuosic talent, I get envious. And that colors all of my interactions with that student. I'm also insecure about being a teacher in general. It's not the profession I thought I'd end up in. I don't make much money. The phrase, those who can't do teach, haunts me. If I'm being totally honest, at times I think I'm too good for this job. And when I'm feeling overconfident, I have a tendency to be condescending in a way that can be really hurtful, which is probably the ugliest of my bad teaching habits. Those two insecurities are pretty directly related to my teaching, but even indirect insecurities affect my teaching. I currently weigh more than I ever have in my life, and I know body image issues can make me defensive and self-conscious. Teaching online this year, I'll occasionally catch a glimpse of an unflattering reflection in my webcam, and it'll bum me out. And sometimes I carry that bummer attitude into interactions with students. I have many more insecurities than just those three, but I hope they get the point across. And I hope my candidness on this topic encourages you to explore your own insecurities. My last piece of advice in regards to this second question is to be very careful with it. If you're intent on trying to answer it in the deepest, most truthful way possible, you'll have to put yourself in a space where you can be completely honest, and for some people, that might mean you can only answer it in the safety of your private thoughts. And that's okay. Anyway, I said this episode would be short and sweet. If you found it interesting or have any ideas to contribute about related topics, please find me on Instagram at jacobqunter, J-A-C-O-B-Q-U-N-T-E-R-R. -R.